never sell out of it. I probably only sell one. Good morning. Good afternoon, Richmond. It's 12 noon and I'm AWOD. You're listening to the new sports radio 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM and wild card weekend in the NFL. Begins Saturday with two games, three contests on Sunday, and then closes out with Monday Night Football. We're going to talk Packers on the show today. Mike Spofford covers the Pack, Green Bay Packers. He'll join the show at 1 p.m. as we get geared up and ready for the NFL playoffs. And we are going to bring back the Odyssey NFL Confidence Playoff Pool. And we ran this last year. It's a ton of fun. We get everyone inside the building here to pick six games on the weekend and give us confidence picks. Are you one through six? And I'll tell you, I am most confident in the Bills this weekend. I think, Stubb, are you on the same page with me? Like, of all the teams playing this weekend, Bills... Most yeah, confident that right, they'll like, knock down the Steelers. That's a, that's it just a feels like it's going to take on. offense to win the NFL this year. feels like it's going to take offense. Steelers have a great defense. They do not have anything going on the offensive end. Phone lines are always open throughout the show. 833-804-0910. 833-804-0910. Big win for the Virginia Tech Hokies basketball team. Coach Mike Young and the Hokies defeat number 21 Clemson at home with some incredible shooting. They scored more than 50 points in the first half. Sean Padula was lighting it up from the three-point line. So David Cunningham, who covers all things Hokies for Tech Sidelines, will join us on the show today. But you guys know how we like to start the show, by catching you up on anything you might have missed around the sports world here on the Sports App. Here it is, everybody. Clearly, this is the future. Stats, scores, highlights. Whoa, are you serious? Wi-Fi plus And we begin with college football and the big news yesterday, Alabama coach Nick Saban to retire after 17 seasons with the Crimson Tide. He will go down as one of the greatest college football coaches in the history of the sport. 72 years old now, led Alabama to three national titles in the BCS era and then three more in the college football playoff era as the Crimson Tide made it back to the playoffs this year with some incredible come-from-behind wins over Auburn and then defeating Georgia in the SEC title game. They had Michigan on the ropes, lose in overtime, and then Michigan would go on to win the college football championship over Washington. Alabama has been such a special place to Saban. Uh, He released a statement, said we have enjoyed... Every minute of our 17 years being the head coach at Alabama as well as becoming a part of the Tuscaloosa community. It is not just about how many games we won and lost, but about the legacy and how we went about it. I did hear a stat. Alabama had more players drafted to the NFL in the first round in 17 years he was in charge than they had losses in 17 years in charge. That is just incredible to me. Uh, college football won't be the same without Nick Saban on the sidelines. Let's move over to the NFL here on the Sports app. You also had a couple old coaches saying goodbye in the NFL. We'll start with the Seahawks and Pete Carroll. He will no longer be in charge of the Seattle Seahawks. Let's take a listen to 72-year-old Pete Carroll. I'm so grateful to the coaches 
that have been with us uh, for so many years. Also, all of the coaches that have been here for the years before um, that put up with my stuff and, and uh, found way, you know, to bring it to life daily. And uh, I have great gratitude for that. It's not just the dedication and the loyalty. It's the freaking juice. It's bringing it. Just such an unbelievable head coach. Uh, I will miss him in Seattle. Uh, I, I go back to his days at USC. Had so much fun watching him coach the Trojans to championships with Reggie Bush. Robert Kraft, the CEO of the New England Patriots, is holding a press conference right now live on ESPN Sports Center from Foxborough, Massachusetts. Says Bill Belichick and the Pats reportedly agreed to part ways after 24 seasons and yes, six. Super Bowl titles. We're going to grab some of this audio from Robert Kraft. We'll play it on the show for you later today. But, of course, that's the big news that came out yesterday. Patriots and Bill Belichick parting ways after 24 seasons and six Super Bowl titles. Let's go over to college basketball here on the Sports App. So we mentioned the big win for for the Hokies, and I mean, man, this was such a a clutch victory. Clemson came in eleven and three, number twenty one in the country, but they were also one and two in the ACC. Both teams hungry for a win. The the Hokies just shot lights out. It was incredible. Uh, a lot of it was Sean Padula, but Tyler Nickel off the bench providing a spark with a couple threes and this big dunk. Here's the call on Learfield. Look at the ball pressure by Virginia Tech. Nickel off the steal. Nickel flushes. Locked in, connected team defense. Tips, deflections, steals, and then the run out. Nickel with a flush. And then it was Padula. Great on the offensive end, clutch on the defensive end as well. Here's Zach Mackey from Learfield. Virginia Tech nearly with a half, a hundred in the first half. They're about to get 100. Long will take it, and Long is undercut dangerously after the assist by Padula. Padula finished with 32 points, 7 assists. The three-point shooting by the Hokies. My goodness. 13 of 24, 54%. That's how you win a college basketball game at home. Padula himself was 6 of 10. 9 of 16 from the field, but 6 of 10 from 3. 8 of 8 from the free throw line. 7 assists, 4 rebounds. Four steals, 32 points. They didn't need much of Hunter Couture. Only played 14 minutes, didn't score. But Padula and then Tyler Nickel off the bench with 24. The two combined for 56 as Virginia Tech scores 53 in the first and wins by 15, 87 to 72. Over to the NBA here on the Sports App. Victor Wembenyama and Wemby Mania gets his first triple-double of the year as the Spurs take down the Pistons 130-108. to Here's Wembenyama with a dunk and the call on WOAI. Spurs with the ball to start the fourth quarter. Osmond inside pass to Victor Wembenyama. Reverse slam for Victor Wembenyama from Jetty Osmond. 16 points for Wemby. A beautiful feed there by Osmond. Zion Williamson and the New Orleans Pelicans played against the uh, the Golden State Warriors, who are below 500, are outside of the playoffs looking in, and continue to get booed at home as the Pels put it on the Warriors. Final score 141 to 105. Here's Zion connecting with a bucket. ESPN Radio in New Orleans. 
Zion had a steam. Look out! And he will lay it in over the front iron and one. All of a sudden, there was nobody in a black jersey in the lane. And Zion said, thank you very much. Clippers and Raptors battled last night in the NBA. You guys know Wednesday is the big day for NBA hoops. And, man, when the Clippers are healthy, they're a fun team to watch. James Harden, Russell Westbrook. Oh, yeah, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Each of those guys put up 29 as the Clips took down the Raptors, 126-120. Here is Kawhi Leonard with a dunk on KLAC. Leonard looking for help with four. Franklin with three. He's to the rim, and he'll rise and jam. He's a long-time Clipper, and he bails him out. Clippers up 121-115, minutes of play. So we've got a lot to get to on the show today. We'll go around the NFL, pick some winners for the wild card games. We're also going to fully dive into the commander's search for the next head of football operations. Where are we at with the Jedi Council put together by Josh Harris to bring balance to the force and bring success to the Washington football team once again. Nick Ashu to pick some winners in the NFL and the NBA at 230 and then, of course, Commander's Corner at 1.30. You're listening to the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM. If you want to chime in, it's 833-804-0910. 833-804-0910. Don't go anywhere. Don't touch that dial. We're live and local on the Odyssey app. It's AWOD on The Fan. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Phone lines are open, 833-804-0910, 833-804-0910. It appears that our uh, crosstalk conversation has spilled over to Twitter with a few people chiming in here about Sean Berstow's minutes and the impact that he's making on the court. And joining us once again for a little crosstalk on The Fan is Michael Phelps. What's going on, MP? Every game I pick up a box score says 34 minutes, 34 minutes, 34 minutes. Just, those are valuable minutes, man. I, well, I haven't heard who you would like those minutes to be given to. I, I would like I would like Bama still to have more minutes. I would like Nelson, JNL, Jason Nelson to have more minutes. Uh, I don't, I'm not sold that I want Michael Bell to have more minutes at this juncture because of the offensive liability, mm-hmm. but if he could start shooting, I'm on board. My argument would be if you give Barstow less minutes, I don't think they're going to Bam. I think they're going to Kwani, Kwani, or Michael Bell. Uh, if you want Bam and Nelson getting more minutes, I think you have to play Max Scholga less. And I'm actually on board for that. I will be, I will champion Sean Barstow. I'm in on the Bear. I love Max Scholga, but I would be okay with giving him less minutes for a guy like Jason Nelson, for a guy like Joe Bamisil. Let them have a chance to put up some shots because Shulga is really putting them up. And at times, I will say, feels like the ball stays in his hands too long. Other people, it, it's hot. They keep it moving. You know, he puts the ball on the ground and sometimes he's dribbling into nowhere for about five or ten seconds. I know the possession you're talking about and I've got it playing in my head yeah. right now. Yeah, where he, he just keeps dribbling with it. I, 
I get the sense that, that Shulga is not going anywhere just because of his knowledge uh, of the Ryan Odom system. It, it, Ryan Odom wants to make sure this ball's going to get up the court and a good decision maker and facilitator in his offense is going to be available. Hopefully that's a situation where down the line you can say, okay, you know, that other people know the system well enough to, to get in and do that. I don't think he trusts him well enough right now. I, I don't even think it's as much about the system as much as it is at their peak, at their ceiling, he knows Shulga gives them the best opportunity to score the ball, and he wants to have the best offense. Now, he's had to make lineup changes because of defense, and, and that's been the issue, really, that we talked about on the podcast yesterday, Black Gold Fan Pod, is we've had this up and down where we play great offensively and then no defense, and then we play great defensively and no offensively. When are we going to put it together? It's a real head-scratcher, right? Because it's, it's the NFL thing, right? Every game's decided by inches. The offensive games have been decided by one or two missed shots. Yeah. The defensive games were decided by one or two possessions where Mason didn't score down the stretch. Like they're, but it's not like you got to stick with one or you got to stick with the other. It does feel like the answer is still somewhere in the middle. Uh, you mentioned Christian Furman. I don't quite know what to make of him yet. We've seen limited action. I still see a lot of promise. I don't know that I see an A10 ready guy to to anchor that that post right now but uh, i do think he's coming along nicely so yeah. I, I, mixed opinions i mean I, I did make the argument um a few weeks ago i do think we're a little bit soft inside all right i, I hate to say that because you know people no, I think oh, that's a you're good soft to... inside but look chad venning beat us up he's a big body yeah. uh christian Furman is definitely improving but i don't know that he is an a10 starting center toby lawall is Absolutely a starting center in this league here with his athletic ability, but he doesn't have the strength sometimes. And, man, there was there's there's points where Toby Lawall, in my opinion, is almost unplayable because he jumps for every fake. And we saw it against St. Bonaventure time after time where, you know, the guard would drive and do a little pump fake and Toby would jump and then he handed it off to the center. Same thing happened at, against Mason at times where he wants to block every shot. You can't try to do that. We also really saw Mason crack down on the alley-oop. They blocked a couple of yep, those. They, yep. they, they were queuing in on that. Like, they, the film study is out. The tape is out on that play. I don't know if they saw a signal or a sign or something, but they were ready when that happened. That diminishes a little bit of Toby Lowell's effectiveness because that's such a big play at home to get an alley-oop, to get a monster dunk where he's like dunking to the ceiling and then throwing it back down. Uh, you know, to to not get those, to have those blocked can be just as much of a momentum killer the other way. Uh, it's What's the deal? Remember the thing like you make a Thanksgiving dinner, you have $15 to spend, right? Yeah. Like all the good stuff's $7 and then for like a dollar you can get like all the cranberries you want. It, it feels like that's VCU's roster, right? Like we've got a lot of $3 players here. Yeah. A lot of guys who are like, you, you name a guy, and I'll tell you something I love about him. There's not a person on that box score. I got the box score in front of me here from Mason. There's not a person who played minutes who I can't say something really nice about. Like, I love this aspect of this guy's game. But I also feel like you you say any name, and I'm going to say, like, this guy struggles at blank. We, yeah. we don't have a complete – Wodum's just picking his strengths and picking his weaknesses. Yeah, I mean, they've been playing 10 deep. And uh, played nine against Mason. Uh, no Fats Phillips, no Rose Wheeler. A guy that I wanted, uh, I want to see more playing time throughout the season is Jason Nelson. He had those two big plays, driving to the basket, uh, getting layups, one before half, one uh, in the second half. His three-point shooting this season has been unbelievable. And I I've said multiple times, my favorite lineup is 
Jason Nelson, Zeb Jackson, Max Scholga, Bearstow, and Toby Lawal. I'm just intrigued by Nelson, Jackson, and Scholga. Like, yeah. I don't know. Is that sustainable in an A-10 run? I get why you like it. Yeah. I'm not I'm not confused on that. Is that sustainable in an A-10 season? I don't know. Yeah, it's, um, it's going to be hard for those guys to... Really locked down defensively because you know most of the time there's going to be a size mismatch with those yeah. three guards on the court together, uh, and, and this is going to be an interesting game against LaSalle because they have really good guard play. Uh, we broke that down on the podcast yesterday. Brickus is the point guard, uh, the leader for LaSalle. He does a great job of getting into the paint, keeping his dribble alive, setting up his teammates. So uh, the Rams are going to need some good guard play, but I I do think you know the theme for the season has to be. Hey, are we going to get consistent play from the front court? And that includes Sean uh, Barristow. But for me, it's more about Furman and Toby Lawal and how they are going to play throughout the season here. We, we need those guys to just get a couple easy buckets. I mean, so many times in college basketball, you're grinding out a game. You've got to hit a shot with a you know guy's hand in your face. But you need a couple layups and dunks to ease it out. You know, man. Every A10 game has just been, you know, oh, it, it's so tense. It's coming down to the wire across the league, not just VCU's A10 games. Oh yeah, but all of them. I'd I'd love to see a game where we put some distance on a team or VCU it gets that lead, extends that lead. Maybe at the four minute timeout, we're not talking about like, boy, this is going to come down to the last second. Absolutely. So this is crosstalk with Michael Phillips, MP on the mic can be heard from ten to noon right here on nine ten the fan and. About five weeks ago, we made an NFL bet after Jack Del Rio was fired and I returned from Orlando. The commanders chose to have Ron Rivera run the defense. And immediately I said, well, the defense is not going to get any better. Ron Rivera is a dinosaur. And as bad as I thought Jack Del Rio was, I thought Ron would be worse. And Michael came in here very confidently. You said, no, he's going to simplify things, right? He's going to simplify things. None of this rings a bell. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> He's playing the fifth. <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember any of this. <laughs> I, they were the 32nd best defense in football yeah. out of 32. How, how could they have gotten worse? How could sure, they have gotten worse? Surely so. they would get better. We had guests that said, this is a bad bet, Adam. Yeah. They're at the bottom. They right. can't get worse. They oh, can't get oh, worse. Pe- pe- Everyone said that. People were riding you hard. Oh, yeah. America had my side when <laughs> they, the bet they was did. made. And, and now Stubb always had my back, I did. I, he said, what'd you say? Look at the schedule. Yeah, that's exactly what I said. It was like our hardest offensive schedule <laughs> was in the last five weeks. I never understood why Michael made the bet. Yeah. Is Stubb entitled to host my show now? Is that, like, <laughs> I, I, I gotta be producer now. He can stuff. definitely rib you. you know, he, can, he can definitely jab you for the for the rest of the NFL season. He's got bragging rights. For sure. Uh, so, the conclusion of the bet will come with Neil Greenberg, the stat geek and expert statistician for the Washington Post. He'll join us next here, and um, he so will I, pick a winner. Yeah, I just want to be clear. I'm not doing push-ups today. We'll have a push-up day. We'll schedule it for next week. Right. Um, You're not doing push-ups today. I don't think I'm doing push-ups ever. <laughs> it's hard to argue, but this this is a system. We live in a proper country of we laws do. and order. Uh, and and Judge Green Neil Greenberg is putting on his robe right now. He will preside and he he will render a verdict. Yeah. What are a couple court terms, Stub? What do I need? To, I, I need my mom to call in. She's the <laughs> objection. lawyer. Objection. That's yeah. a good one. I was going to say maybe this could be like an opening ceremony for the producer to Cathalon. Maybe or a halftime show. Well, the thing is, Michael's being very soft spoken right now. He's hiding it. I know. As soon as Neil comes on. Objection, sir! <laughs> Objection! The commanders were 19, blah, blah, blah. He's going to have it ready. He's going to be ready. 
Watch. This is this is how it works. He's a newspaper guy. Yeah, all right. He's gonna stuff. have the facts. Well, I'm just, you know, screaming into a microphone. I'm gonna end up doing push ups. I know it. <laughs> oh, I don't know what you're talking about. See? <laughs> see this? He's, he's got stats. He's yeah. got stats ready to pull. I can see in his eyes. All right, Neil Greenberg, General Greenberg in the AWOD army coming up next on the fan. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM, Richmond's home for Hokie Sports. David Cunningham covers Virginia Tech for Tech Sidelines. He'll talk to us about that big Hokies basketball win over Clemson last night. That'll be at 2 p.m. We'll talk a little commanders on the commander's corner at 1.30. But joining us right now on the Hadid Mercer Rug cleaning hotline. General Greenberg in the AWOD Army. Neil Greenberg from the Washington Post. What's going on, Neil? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing good. I am sitting here alongside my coworker, Michael Phillips. Michael, thanks for sticking around. Great to be talking to you. Absolutely. So, Neil, so the bet was would the Washington Commanders defense improve after Jack Del Rio was fired? Now, that was because of the debacle of a game on Thanksgiving where the commanders just got their butt whooped. I mean, people were, you know, Michael, people keep talking about how embarrassing it was that Dak was eating the turkey, the turkey leg, leg on the sidelines. Yeah. I mean, they just clowned us. Well, and Tommy DeVito the week before, it was a bad, bad two-week stretch. Yeah, it was a bad two-week stretch. It leads to Jack Del Rio being fired. So we put 50 push-ups on the line. All right. So, uh, Neil, you are our, our judge in this bet here. Would you like to uh, make an opening statement? I would. Um, someone's going to be very wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Shall, shall I address the yes, court first? Yes, you should right. address the uh, address the judge here. The, the honorable and the audience. The yes. honorable judge. The, the audience can be um, the jury, right? So if you want to chime in, if you're listening what? right now, eight three three eight zero four zero nine ten. The judge still makes the final call, but the jury can weigh in. It's not how court works at all. But uh, you know what? <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to push it's the election. It's how radio court works. All right. <laughs> we want audience interactions. All right. Eight three three eight zero four zero nine ten. If it may please the court, uh, the the Washington defense was terrible. Under one, Jack Del Rio. I think everybody can agree on that. Dex eating the turkey leg. Tommy DeVito scoring touchdowns. Turns out Tommy DeVito's not even good. He might not have even known how to play football before that game. (laughs) Ron Rivera takes over, and I will grant you that the next week when they played the Miami Dolphins, things didn't go as smoothly as Coach Ron Rivera might have wanted to. Uh, I, I, I just they, they gave up a lot of points. Things didn't go well. But they had a bye week. And after that bye week, thanks in large part to the Rams not caring about putting up a 50-burger, they only scored 28 points against this defense. The next week against the New York Jets, I'll just assume they did great because the Jets stink. I didn't watch that game. I'll just assume they held the Jets <laughs> to about three points. Uh, the Niners, look, the Niners is always going to be a, a slog, a bit of an uphill climb, but they finished against the Dallas Cowboys, and I'd just like to say, for the benefit of the court, that was Sam Howell's fault. That has nothing <laughs> to do with Ron Rivera. I rest my case. All right, I'll, I'll make my <laughs> argument here, and I'll make it uh, short and sweet, Neil. This is a commander's team that, after the loss to the Cowboys, continued to lose five more games. Previously, they had four wins on their record. On the schedule, they held the Cardinals to 16. All right, They held the Falcons to 16. They held the Patriots to 17. All of the games after Jack Del Rio was fired, the defense never had a stop like that. Never had a game where they helped the offense out 
and they won. They were never victorious again for the rest of the season. And, oh yeah, that Rams game, the most wide-open touchdown in the NFL season, Cooper Cup, against the Jets. A terrible quarterback goes for 300 yards. The 49ers could have scored 50, and the Cowboys took their foot off the gas and only ended up with 38. I'd like to introduce a bonus piece of evidence here. I've got here, I've got, this is my advanced analytics site. Before the firing of Jack Del Rio, there was a comment saying that the January 6th incident at the Capitol was a dust-up. Objection! Relevance? (laughs) Neil, relevance? Are you kidding me? Since Jack Del Rio left, statistically speaking, again, I've got access to this. Zero comments referring to the January 6th attack on the Capitol. <laughs> Something to keep in mind. Ooh, okay, order in the court. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I, I've heard both arguments, um, and it is true. The Washington defense was actually the second worst in the league under Jack Del Rio. I mean, it, they allowed 2.4 points per drive. Um, they only forced a three and out about 28% of the time. Um, when you look at like how many more points opponents scored, um, opponents were scoring about four more points per game than you would expect based on the down distance and field position of each play against them with Jack Del Rio. Um, and you know what? No one would fault you if you would say like, okay, it can't possibly get any worse. They're already you know near the bottom. Um, it got way worse. Like it got <laughs> completely off the rails worse. Um, they were allowing 2.9 points per drive in the five games under Rivera, only forced to three and out less than 15% of the time. Opponents were actually scoring almost seven points a game more than you would expect, um, which is just uh, uh, an unsightly number, um, wow. especially for, uh, for a guy that comes from the defensive part. Um, by any reasonable defensive metric, both traditional and, and non-traditional, this defense got way worse with Ron Rivera, you know, finally getting back to coaching and not managing anymore. Um, it was a, a truly spectacular decline, um, <laughs> considering where they were, right? I mean, like, like I said, you would think, you know, it can only get better because it couldn't get much worse. Well, it, it got a lot worse. I feel like this is the last scene of uh, Billy Madison. <laughs> I award you no points, and yeah. they got have mercy on your uh, soul. Judge you can't Green- handle the truth. <laughs> Judge Greenberg, I, I'd like to call a witness to the stand. Uh, Stubb, Cri- Christopher Carlson, uh, producer of AWOD Radio. Um, you're, my, you're my witness here. You've watched these games. The eye test. Uh-huh. The defense got worse from what I saw, right? Like, watching the game, it felt like guys were more open. It felt like opposing teams were running for more yards. It felt like they were getting down the field easily the final five weeks of the season. I think that only one of these five games need to be brought up, and it's the one that Michael seems to have forgotten to speak about, and it's when we took on the number 32-ranked offense and they put up 30 points. And that is the New York Jets. I I don't think we need more evidence than that. Trevor (laughs) Simeon, 217 yards and a touchdown pass. They also ran 464, Michael. I plead temporary insanity. That's, that's interesting. Remove him from the court. Yeah, yeah. I, do, would you? Do you have any witnesses you'd like to call to the stand? I don't. I. I mean, I, 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 Ron Rivera, for his entire career, was a respected defensive mind, and then apparently forgot everything he knew about defense for five entire weeks. Uh, it's 
I could say this. As a sports talk radio host, I'm really glad they're picking number two in the draft. I think we got the correct outcome here. Uh, we've got a competent GM here, Peters, Cunningham. I love them both, both from great traditions. I'm super optimistic about the future. Not thrilled about 50 push-ups. Uh, I got to say, I haven't, haven't exactly been putting in the uh, putting in the arm work uh, like maybe I needed to. Yeah, so uh, yeah, Ron Rivera, I guess he would claim that he was babysitting for years, and because of that, you know, his defensive adjustments weren't the same. Well, he did say, right, I managed for three and a half years right. and then I coached for half the season. But the, it turns out the coaching was, was not great either. I, I unfortunately do agree with the Honorable Judge Greenberg. Uh, there, there, was, there was never a chance that this was going to be close. Uh, they, they regressed big time. It was a, it, one of the toughest four-week stretches of football I've watched. Michael, at what point in this bet did you know you were screwed? You know, I I knew that I I knew they'd lose to the Dolphins by a lot. Like yeah. we all understood that. But then there was the bye week, and I thought maybe they come out of the bye week with a little spunk. Uh, we'll get we'll, we'll spunk. <laughs> we'll get Neil's thoughts. I mean, I did you say stunk or spunk? <laughs> uh, you know, I I think the Rams uh, seem to be a trendy pick this week. Do I? I maybe underestimated the Rams early in the season. Uh, they could play some ball, and uh, certainly when the Niners still had that bye week on the line and knew they could pop the champagne with Michael Scott's TV there in the FedEx yeah. locker room, we we were toast before kickoff. All right, Judge Greenberg, uh, just to recap here, uh, what is your final decision for the court case Phillips versus Epstein? V. Yeah, V. v. <laughs> Phillips v. Epstein. Phillips. Drop and give me 50. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I love that. General Greenberg, thanks so much for chiming in and being the judge on this push-up bet. All right. Talk to you guys soon. Good luck. Bye. Yep. He may not talk to me soon. He, I, I'm, I'm, I may die of cardiac arrest. I, we, don't, we don't know. I need to get some Gatorade or something. Yeah, so what is your plan here? So you have to do 50 push-ups. All right, let's pick a day next week. Um, I, I want like a physical trainer in here, okay. uh, like, a, like an actual like licensed person. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna empty to my, empty my Rolodex tonight. We're going to pick a day next week. We'll get like a physical trainer in here, somebody who can you know really give me the ins and outs of, of the push-ups. I love and, that uh, because when I saw your producer do push-ups – the form was so incorrect. I don't trust JC to to judge these yeah. fifty push-ups. Um, I I would love to do them consecutively. Um, I, I think I'm going to settle for doing them though. But like you're going to have to stop. Like it's you know how when you go to the gym they always say uh, lift until failure. Right, yeah. like like oh, when you press, you have to you have to push up till failure. I I'm either gonna puke or do 50 push ups. Yeah. it's whichever comes first. Yeah, or Absolutely. pass that, out. That's my. <laughs> yeah, yeah that would be good radio. <laughs> that right. Somebody call an emergency. <laughs> maybe maybe we'll uh, we'll fire up the YouTube stream that yeah. day. If let, you let if see. you pass out, you are unconscious, and somebody needs to give you mouth to mouth. All right, is that going? Is that Stub? Is that JC? <laughs> What are you selecting here? I, I, I was a lifeguard. Oh, I really? Oh. I, 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 my certification's run out, but I was CPR certified multiple times. <laughs> Sounds like he wants to make out with you. This guy, <laughs> this guy does it all. Yeah, I know. This guy does it all. I love all right. it. All right. uh, George says uh, should have been summary judgment to AWOD Radio. We didn't, didn't even need the segment. But that describes most of the segments I do yeah. on my show. Oh, so. that was pretty good. Oh, man. So the push-ups bet has come to... A close. Michael Phillips owes a wide 50 push-ups on the fan. Don't go anywhere. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Yesterday, three big names 
in sports that were head coaches stepped down or mutually agreed to part ways. Sorry about that, Stub. That was my bad. That's okay. Uh, yeah, you're just uh, you're sad about Nick Saban, so Bill sad. Belichick, and Pete Carroll. So let's rank them. All right, okay. of the three coaches that either retired or mutually agreed to part ways with their uh, current clubs, which one affects you the most? I think for me, I think Saban is the obvious number one. He was at Alabama for 17 years, created the greatest college football program in the history of college sports. I mean, that was the best dynasty for so long. 17 years. We talked about in the opening segment. They had more first-round draft picks in the to make it to the NFL than losses in 17 years. It's just, just so wild. Yeah, that's, an, that's an insane stat. Right? I mean, th- that's like having like three, three or four guys a year because they're only taking one or two losses a year. Yeah. <laughs> right? And even when they had a down year, like this year was a down year, they still made it to the college football playoffs. Right? They still won the clutch game against Auburn and then the big SEC championship game against Georgia. Um, it's interesting because I, I know a lot of Michigan fans will claim that John Harbaugh ended Nick Saban with that win in overtime. Um, I, I don't think he retires if if they make it to the finals and then win or lose there. Um, I also think a lot of this has to do with paying players. And I, I've made it very clear that my personal opinion is I'm not okay with paying players until they come to college and play one year, all right, and go to school. Because I, I'm an old-school approach, and I know this is an old-school approach that some people disagree with, that, look, you're getting a free education. My parents spent, you know, fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars $70,000 for me and my sister to go to college, get an education. They spent that money, whereas these college football kids are getting a, a free ride, a scholarship. Then you have to pay them now because of NIL. I understand that. And I'm okay with paying kids. I'm not okay with paying them before their freshman year because I just I don't think it's good. Um, I don't think it's good to help them be responsible with their money. And also, what have they done for the university when you haven't even stepped foot on campus? Yeah, I, I mean, I, the, like at the end, it, they are making so much money for the school that I I do feel it's unfair to not give them money. But they're not making money until they've stepped onto the field or the court. Right, because right now we're paying kids that are high school seniors. As soon as they graduate, we're paying them fifty thousand or more to come to a university. Oh, like a sign-on. Right. Yeah, that's, that's what I don't that's... like. I think you should go to the school, play your first year, and then pay the kids sophomore, junior, and senior year. And I think there should be a limit because that's the problem right now. Is the schools with the most oh, money yeah. are paying the most for their players? A lot of people argue that Miami bought a Final Four last year with Jim Laranega. I disagree. I think he's a great coach. But you look at how much money. The guys on their team were making it was unbelievable. Those guys are millionaires now. Yeah, you got to do cap space, something to. like that. Yeah, just about every sport. Needs but it. it just it's frustrating because it's leading to these veteran coaches stepping down. In basketball, it started with Jay Wright, you know, Coach Jasevsky, Roy Williams, and and the list goes on. Jim Beheim, most most recently at Syracuse, it it destroyed college basketball, and now it seems to be moving over to college football with Nick Saban stepping down. I, I I am very convinced that the reason Nick Saban retired is because the players weren't listening to him because they're making too much money. I I, I, I see that, and I also, like, he might just hate that this is the way it is now. Right. Like, as someone running the team, he's like, I don't want to have to, like, figure this out and pay people for things. I mean, think about I mean, this. He's, like, what, 72? Yeah, like, 72. Like, I, I spoke with a college coach who told me directly, 
It is hard to contain these kids, to teach them, to raise them. Because a lot of that's what coaching is. You're kind of raising these kids from boys to men at the same time, right? It's yeah. impossible to raise them, to teach them, to get them to listen to you when they're also making more money than you. And that's not the case for Nick Saban, but that's the case for some of these smaller schools here and some of these younger coaches. Yeah, and I'm like, think about myself, yourself, 18. Here's $5 million to come to the school. Right. Like, you're not going to. Or gonna- not even that, like 500000 and a, you know, a Dodge Charger. Right. Yeah. One, I don't care about school anymore. Right. So you're de-emphasizing college as a whole. And yeah. two, like, yeah, I'm not going to. I'm 18. I, I'm, I'm rich now. I don't right. need to listen to. Right, and I get it. That's, I get it. It's an uh, it's an old school opinion, but that you just said it right there. If you're paying me five hundred thousand dollars and I put my kid my you know feet in the, that kid's shoes, I'm not going to class. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> right, going I'm right, to yeah. class. I mean, there was for for decades there was the argument that you know college athletes only graduate because the tutors do their homework. Well, you don't think that's getting worse yeah, now with the pay, money they they're paying, <laughs> right? Yeah. So Nick Saban's number one on my list. Stub sounds like you agree. Number two. It has to be Bill Belichick. Personally, I, I like Pete Carroll more, but Bill Belichick's, I mean, he's the the king of the best dynasty in the NFL, the New England Patriots, for my lifetime. The one I'm most sad about is Pete Carroll. Yeah. Just I loved <laughs> I loved the clips of him and all of that, but in terms of importance, I see what you mean. I have a good little little quip from uh, Belichick okay. at the uh, press conference. I can play real quick. Yeah. All right, morning. Seen this many cameras since we signed Tebow. <laughs> 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 that was uh, that was the opener to his uh, press conference about leaving. All right. So, yeah, I mean, look, the, the, the thing with Belichick is uh, it kind of felt like all season long it was going this way. And it sucks because now he's going to be viewed as the coach that was given Tom Brady. Yeah. Right. That's, I, really I, that's gonna... the thing. Tom Brady left coach and won a Super Bowl. And now there's some separation between the two when you discuss Tom Brady but with Belichick, and you, you know, you discuss other you know, big name coaches, you're going to have him connected to Tom Brady because he never had the success after Brady left. I mean, they didn't even win a playoff game after Brady left. And my my friend is devastated. My really? Patriots fans, if you're still listening, Tomas, call in. But yeah. he's the, Belichick has been the coach his entire life. Yeah, he has followed one team and one coach since birth. Yeah, and now it's it's he's gone. Yeah, it's he's and he, now there's a huge unknown. Yeah, it's huge unknown. I, I will say, uh. I was shocked by Belichick stepping down. I mean, my my gut reaction all season long was they're going to get Caleb Williams. They're going to be a dynasty once again. Maybe they still get Caleb Williams, and maybe it's Mike Vrabel in charge as would, the next I, head coach. I think a lot of people are leaning with that. I think a lot of people. I mean, I that's kind of why there was this discussion and the report from Diana Rossini that the Titans were looking to trade him because, look, it was well-known in NFL circles that the Patriots had to make a decision. They held off for a few days. And because yeah, of that, that's... the Titans had to make a move to get ahead of it. But I think if the Titans had held on to Vrabel, you would have seen a possible trade in place here. It's interesting how late they waited. Yeah. Everyone else. It was, what, like early this morning? Belichick? Belichick? I think it was late last night. Late last night? Okay. Yeah. I, it was I think actually, I was... yeah, it was during while we were recording the podcast. It came oh, along okay. uh, ESPN Radio, and we were like, wow, what, what the heck is that? So <laughs> uh, Belichick steps down, and uh, Pete Carroll, man. I do. I love him the most. I love him. <laughs> I just love Pete Carroll so much. Uh, man, he had a lot of success with Seattle. Unfortunately, they didn't win two Super Bowls because they didn't uh, run the ball with Marshawn Lynch. Yep. They threw it in the Patriots, picked him off, but they should have won that one. That's that's a moment I remember. 
Yeah, I like I I wasn't following sports back then, but I remember the right. moment that they hand the ball blew to that freaking game. Marshawn Lynch. Do not throw it <laughs> when you're that close to the end zone. Uh, but yeah, Pete Carroll, I'll, I'll remember him for the dynasty at USC and, and the way he uh, he re- created like a college atmosphere in the NFL in Seattle. I mean, fired up, singing, dancing, hanging out with the players. He just he felt like it was one of he was one of them. That's the kind of head coach you want to see on the sidelines. Yeah, a complete flip of Ron. Yeah. He was act. He was always in the man's like seventy. Yeah. He's running around screaming the entire game. It truly is a changing of the guard moment here with with coaches with so yeah. many old names stepping down. Yeah, it's time for a new era. Yeah, I'm not ready for it though. It's I kind of think half the guys in the new era suck. Like <laughs> we were hyping up Brandon Staley, analytics nerd. Oh, he's gonna know. He's gonna take the NFL by storm. What two three seasons at in L.A. with the Chargers? failure yeah I, I mean it's tough i everyone says ben johnson is the next big name I, i'm not a fan i think he's gonna lose his playoff game to the rams if you want to <laughs> chime in phone lines are open 833-804-0910 833-804-0910 don't go anywhere don't touch that dial i'll be right back